Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Hello and welcome to this week's Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson. I am the Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner at the Bonson Group. And we do this weekly podcast to come give you advice and share our insights about a particular trend or topic or event uh, that we find meaningful in your life as an investor. This is different than our weekly Dividend Cafe podcast, where we try to cover a whole bunch of topics in a short period of time and and uh, give kind of a more wider coverage of different things to be thinking about. So in the time we spend here in Advice and Insights, the goal is to drill in a little deeper. And I think some weeks we pull it off and other weeks we just fail so miserably. But hopefully this week will not be one of those. I do plan to start. uh, We're in the middle of a big office edition at our headquarters in Newport Beach, California. And once we have this build out of new space done, we're going to have a little podcasting recording center in the office. And we intend to have more guests, me interviewing more people, get some outside money managers or hedge fund managers or other people on the Bonson Group's investment team that would all be participating. We did a couple interviews earlier in the year on this podcast. If you want to check out the archives, we uh, I interviewed Ron Barron, uh, who is our small cap growth manager and kind of a industry legend when it comes to small cap investing. Uh, interviewed Peter Newell from uh, Vonable Asset Management, who's our partner in our emerging markets uh, investing. And, and um, I thought that was a really particularly deep dive into the way we view a lot of these things. Um, but I'd like to do more of that. And I think that listeners would like to even get a more kind of diversified um, content from this podcast. So we do have some really neat plans to improve upon this. But in the meantime, um, you're stuck with me this week. And I actually think that the topic I'm going to be addressing is perhaps one of the most significant topics that is um, in front of investors today. It gets an unbelievable amount of airtime. It gets an unbelievable amount of media coverage. I think it actually spends uh, occupies a lot of headspace in terms of investors trying to to figure out what they believe what approach makes the most sense for them. And I know a lot of investment professionals and financial advisors um, are deeply engaged in kind of unpacking uh, what they believe about about this subject. The subject is passive versus active investing. And the idea in the asset management industry that investors can save a lot of money in fees and therefore they're, uh, enhance their total return over time with a lower fee product that's available around passive or index investing versus some of the more active approaches that exist. And I think it's an entirely legitimate subject and one that warrants a lot of unpacking. Um, Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard Funds, who's now well into his retirement years, but still a pretty frequent voice in the book and speaking and media circuit, uh, is kind of a big famous advocate around this. 
that the only uh, variable the investor has control over is the cost, and, and that cost will ultimately be the variable that they can add most value to their portfolio through over time, and that active managers cannot or do not beat the market. And, and I think there's a lot of uh, intellectual and methodological um, uh, meat on the bone of this topic, uh, but I would also say most actors in the debate have an axe to grind, um, and and so you have to take that into account. Um, whether one owns a big ETF or, or or index fund company and therefore has their play, or an active manager arguing kind of for their play, you know that that's human nature. That's to be expected. But the problem is that um, it doesn't help us to really point out that someone may have various motives that's somewhat immaterial to uh, the validity of the argument that they may be making. Um, here, here's the thing I'm going to start with that I think is an important point to make. Um, you first, before you start talking about passive versus active, are going to have to prove to me that passive investing even exists. Okay, because at the end of the day, unless someone says, I want my portfolio to be 100% U.S. stocks, which would be an active decision, and I want it to be 100% large cap, big companies, the kind that make the S&P 500, which would be another active decision. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that at the most basic of levels, where the vast majority of risk-reward outcomes will be found are in the asset allocation process. How one is carving up their portfolio between small cap, mid cap, large cap stocks, between what they call growth, value, or a blend of both, between international, emerging markets, U.S. markets, then even outside of the world of stocks, what percentage one may want into bonds, within bonds, what percentage one may want of U.S. versus global, of corporate versus government, of high credit versus high yield. So you end up, that doesn't even get into the space of alternatives, if one may want other diversifier asset classes, whether it be real estate, commodities, hedge funds, things of that nature. So on a pretty basic level, without me really scrambling to to get granular, I just have unpacked something like 30 different asset classes. Um, when you factor in subcategories and subsets and things of that nature. And so you could go passive with every single one of them. Every one. And yet you still had to actively construct the asset allocation. Once you say, I want 60% stocks and 40% bonds, you no longer have a passive portfolio. You actively chose to split your portfolio across a, a certain blend of stocks versus bonds. Then if stocks do very well, you say, oh, I underperformed the overall stock market because of the fact that I um, chose to have less stocks than 100%. And if stocks struggle a bit, then then you perhaps can outperform because you had less stocks. So you made a, you made an active decision for good or for bad, usually, by the way, not driven by a performance aspiration, but by a risk management decision. But then 
there is the international factor. And this one happens to be particularly relevant today because a lot of investors are saying, geez, the stock market's doing so well, or it's at least doing better now. The S&P's up. But the fact of the matter is Europe is down. Japan is down. Um, the emerging markets are down. Most international indices are down. And most equity investors are not U.S. only. Most equity investors have some global diversification in their portfolio. And so the S&P 500, which is a U.S. only um, uh, market index, is not necessarily the best way to go about gauging one's exposure. So within the different asset classes, you're going to have capitalization levels, small cap, large cap. You're going to have geography, U.S. international. And then you're going to have the broad asset allocation. What kind of percentage between stocks and bonds and things like that do I want? This is the essence of an active portfolio construction. And the split between stocks and bonds is going to have uh, exponentially greater role in what your long-term return is than whether the portion you have in U.S. stocks was actively managed or passive. That's just an absolute empirical mathematical fact. The asset allocation is the primary driver and determinant of long-term returns and that the investor is not only focused on their long-term return but also on the risk and volatility they take along the way to get there. So there is indeed a significant nuance that has to be understood when we even go into the subject. But then I'll get to the second point. And this is the one I think is far more important. And if you want to believe here, I'm talking my own book, you're more than welcome to. Um, it is very true that what I'm about to say is an argument for behaviorally minded financial advisors, which happens to be uh, what I do for a living. And happens to be the business that I, I uh, have founded and operate does for a living. However, um, it in no way invalidates uh, what is a multi-generational truth. That, that is, the behavioral tendencies of the investor are paramount. That an investor's propensity for uh, adding... Uh, to greed-driven uh, portfolio decisions, uh, adding up, uh, adding on risk into their portfolio at the worst possible time, and taking out risk um, in moments of panic and fear at the worst possible time. These types of decisions, the leverage that they place in their portfolio, their pursuit of novelty, their pursuit of eccentricity in their portfolio, that these uh, behavioral decisions rooted in human nature um, at uh, what generally proves to be absolutely extraordinarily bad timing, these are the things that should be paramount. And they have nothing to do with the active versus passive decision. And so to the extent that one has actively constructed a wise portfolio asset allocation that is appropriate to one's own goals, their liquidity need, their psychology, emotions, and appetite for volatility, their tax considerations, um, their need to hedge other issues that may exist in their own financial life around currency and, and things of that nature, concentrated positions. To the extent one's done an intelligent asset allocation, one then has to stick to a plan 
And this is where I believe the active versus passive debate blows up. For if one gets the exact security selection right and doesn't stick to it or is prone to selling at the wrong time, adding, you know, buying at the wrong time, all those types of things, um, they undermine the entire point of it. And Dalbar and other industry metrics show us over and over and over again the simply extraordinary ability of investors to underperform their own investments. And that is what I believe um, represents the key crux of an investor's long-term success. So the behavioral decision-making combined with the broad-level asset allocation, both totally divorced from the whole subject of active versus passive. Now, let's go ahead and unpack active versus passive, understanding it to be maybe perhaps a lower priority than what many give it. Um, Fact of the matter is that you have a significant amount of large cap U.S. equity managers that do not outperform their index, especially in a screaming bull market. And we've been in a very strong bull market for many years. But the fact of the matter is that emerging markets and a lot of small and mid-cap uh, U.S. equity um, uh, uh, managers do, in fact, outperform their index. You have different degrees of value added around different asset classes. Um, a lot of bond indexes are almost screaming for active management because the bond index is very, very, very hard to replicate or to purchase by nature of what bonds are. And, and it, it, there isn't like infinite supply of some of the ingredients that compose certain indexes. Um, I, I also would argue that because we happen to be dividend growth investors at the Bonson Group, it's unindexable. Um, other than looking backwards at who great dividend growers were in the past, the whole point is the dividend growth is an ongoing, um, continually evolving thing where, that requires uh, continued revisiting of the income statement and the balance sheet. And so it, it happens to be a, a approach to equity investing that can't be indexed. So I think investors need to keep costs down. I think advisors need to be adding infinite amounts of value for whatever cost they do charge. That value must be uh, exponentially higher than the cost of it. But I don't believe that simply saying I have the S&P 500 and that will get me there is going to work because it ignores global diversification, it ignores asset allocation, it ignores behavioral modification, and uh, ultimately um, only seems to work during periods of rather one-directional bull markets. Okay, so I guess this is just 15 minutes or so of kind of broad counsel or advice around the subject of, of passive investing versus active. But hopefully uh, it's given you a few things to think about. Now I, what I would encourage you to do is reach out with any questions or comments. Let me know where you think I'm wrong. Um, I, I, I think that uh, the notion of finding a well-constructed asset allocation and tremendous behavioral discipline and wisdom that insulates one against some of the worst parts of human nature, that then as the blanks get filled in with passive ETF investing, I'm all for it. That's just fine. No problem. I think you'll see, though, that the far greater questions are the ones not being asked in this discussion. That's what I've tried to cover here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Advice and Insights podcast. Write us a good review if you want. Subscribe 
uh, find some convenient way to be getting this every week through Google or Apple or whatever your chosen podcast listening device is. And in the meantime, don't ever hesitate to reach out to the Bonson Group. Thanks so much for listening to Advice and Insights. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced here and will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.